0: Good morning everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Austin. We are coming to you live from the basement of Southern California and Chicago simultaneously on the simulcast broadcasting in every language.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 15th year, number 775, Troubadour Theaters, Liza Strada. The man hijacking my introduction there is Matt Walker, the founder and artistic director of the Troubadour Theatre Company, the L.A.-based ensemble that combines classic texts with classic top 40 to create such astonishing mashups as Much A Doobie Brothers About Nothing, The Comedy of Aerosmith, Fleetwood Macbeth, Santa Claus is Coming to Motown, The Little Drummer Bowie, Julius Weezer. Abba Memnon, As You Two Like It, A Christmas Carol King, Hamlet, the artist formerly known as Prince of Denmark, A Midsummer Saturday Night's Fever Dream, and it's a Stevie Wonderful Life. The Truby's most recent magnum opus, which just closed its sold-out run at L.A.'s Getty Villa, was Liza Strata, which combined Aristophanes' body political comedy with music associated with the divine Miss Liza with a Z, Liza Minnelli, who also made it to one of the performances— Before Matt told me that story and told me how the show came to be, he launched into the tale of the first time he saw the reduced Shakespeare Company, also, weirdly enough, on the Pacific Coast Highway, just up the road from the Getty Villa at Pepperdine University. The first time
0: I saw the reduced Shakespeare Company at Pepperdine as a very young man in either the late 80s or the early 90s. And I just remember thinking, what is this? Yeah. Because I had already done legit Shakespeare in places and I'd been to London and I'd seen the greats on the boards, and you know, including Mark Rylance's Hamlet in 1989 before he was who he is. Wow. All these and, and then to see a show like yours, it was just like we this we can do this. Hmm. It's not sacrosanct, it's not this revered thing to pull off the shelf and blow the dust off and do every eye. And, you know, I was like, he's the more of Venice and he has a bunch of toy boats tied around him. (laughs) What? So in starting the Trubies, it was like, well, yeah, the, the, there's a precedent already for this kind of, you know, uh, Loose adaptation and puns and humor and and it, it was really a, a transcendent experience for a young theater maker to see a show like that and know that like okay we we can have fun with this source material preserve the stories preserve the things that we all know and love about it and then take the piss out of it and enjoy and bring a whole new generation of fans into it and that's what we try to do for the last twenty six years so thank you for inspiring
1: us and me personally. Dude, you are so welcome. I had, I had no idea of that connection because I've loved your stuff from as soon as we got to Los Angeles in 97, in 97. And, uh, 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 and just to see what you guys are doing with it. My only, my only regret about your stuff, your great shows are that because of i'm sure rights and whatever you don't publish your scripts so other companies can do them and maybe you want to keep it close to the vest and that's cool but your your shows are so joyous and so imaginative and so funny on every level and and so much better musically than they have to be (laughs) oh
0: thanks i mean yeah and and you're right about the the lights you know the uh sorry the rights and the licensing is uh The music you know it's always tough to indemnify you know other producers if they're going to get a cease and desist from a publisher who really has nothing to do with the artist but maybe somebody wrote one song and that they're trying to get the money for that so uh we do license the shows out to people who want to assume that risk and we let them know you know what our deal is with that and how the first amendment works and the right of fair use and parody and all those things uh and colleges and universities have done them uh which is great to see go and see a show that you've created and other people are now doing it. So eventually we'd like to get to that point. And if there's any artists out there watching the podcast, like Hall & Oates, we're ready to make a deal. So let's do this. But yeah, really you know, I mean, music is always such an accessible, you know, a way in for an audience. So to use the music that I grew up with, um, you know, Kool & The Gang and Carol King and Stevie Wonder and to find great source material that, you know, stories that are just gonna hold up over time, and then these these wacky titles, you know, Fleetwood Macbeth and Christmas Carol King and It's a Stevie Wonderful Life and Julius Weezer. And, you know, we get sent titles every day, you know, people, you know, what about The Wizard of Ozzy Osborne? Like, all right. OK, <laughs> you know, uh, stray cats on a hot tin roof or <laughs> long day's journey
1: into night. Right. Uh, so. I always liked uh, The Tempestations. The Tempestations. What do you do with some of those? Cymbeline. I know. I know. It's so hard. Do you get a good idea? And then you go, yeah, but how can I use this idea? Is that a show? Is that a joke? Is it barely a tweet? What is that? Exactly. It's one song. It's one
0: song. It's one song. So Cymbeline, the best we got was Cymbeline Dion. Oh, that's pretty good. Is is (laughs) there more than one song? uh, Gosh, who knows? Uh, Cymbeline, why can't you be true with the music of Chuck Berry? But we're pulling a muscle stretching for that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a long evening. How did – well, and I, I – I, you. so you've just closed Liza Strada.
0: Liza Strada. Liza Strada with a Z, Now Liza Strada with a Y. Liza Strata with a Y goes that's Z instead of Y, I instead of V. Simple as can be. C Liza Strada. At
1: the bum Getty bum. Villa. At yep. the Getty Villa. But you're closed, After, right? Are you closed?
0: We closed October 2nd. As of recording, it's a week later, right? It's the 10th. Mm-hmm um we had we got a call from the getty in 2019 in november matt listen the people that we're going to do next year's show in 2020 dropped out we know you're under the gun and you have to produce this show in four months but can you do it and we said uh sure we can produce a show for you in four months and we got everything together and we threw a cast together for the reading and we showed up at the getty on march 14th and we did one reading Uh. And the next day, the world shut down. And then we had plenty of time (laughs) to sit and think about this show and what are we going to do? And it's the first show back after COVID and it's outside and there's no pressure. And so we assembled a great cast. Uh, You know, Michael Faulkner. And his wife Amanda, we got to offer them a role. and Tried to keep the COVID bubble small. Sure. Uh, my wife Suzanne performed in the show and did all the wigs and was brilliant. Mm. Um, and we just used, you know, people that we'd worked with before that we knew would be responsible to each other in the company, because if one person got, you know, tested positive, that's it. Yeah. So we hired a COVID compliance officer and worked closely with the Getty. And people were tested every week. And you know, we made promises not to go out after you know shows or rehearsals to bars and things and we all wanted to work and we wanted the show to work and you know bring it back for audiences and you know to the COVID compliance officer's credit Ben Rappaport he did a great job kept us all safe and at closing night Austin we had Liza Minnelli at our show
1: that was I mean in all the years you've been mashing up rock and roll with Shakespeare I'm 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 pretty sure Shakespeare never showed up am I right (laughs)
0: <laughs> so far <laughs> unless he's, he's reincarnated we you know we've had a few people in the past robert lamb from chicago danny seraphine one of the members of uh, three dog night chuck negron uh you, you know people over the years but here that it was possible that liza would be in our audience was like right so there was a, a member of the company rob nagel who is neighbors with people who know Liza. So there's two degrees of separation. And they said, yeah, you know, let's tell her about it. And then that turned into, she's interested. And then that turned into, well, we need a car service and seven tickets. And she'd like to travel with her her doctor because she's recently injured an ankle and in a wheelchair. And so we didn't know she'd be in the car till she got in the car at 630. We got a call. Liza's moving. The eagle, the eagle is moving. <laughs> so we started to think of the contingencies, you know, will people notice as they wheel her into the Getty Outdoor Amphitheater? It's kind of a bowl set up. So if she's at the bottom, maybe people won't notice and we won't have to deal with it at the front. We'll save it for the end and make a fuss. As soon as they wheeled her out, Austin, there was piece of character, piece of character, rhubarb. And then there was smattering of applause and then all the focus went and then they stood and applauded for five minutes. Wow. Ralph, who was going to make the curtain speech for the Getty, the microphone all of a sudden was out of his hands, and Liza had it. She was thanking everyone for coming tonight. What a fabulous group you all are. And we're backstage peeking through the curtain like, holy sh! what are we going to do? So I'm rewriting the show in my head. I'm like, we got to deal with this. Sure. So I come out, I I say, you know, that we start the show with welcome and welcome and bienvenue, welcome back. And I say, friends and family and royalty. (laughs) And I look right at her and they stop and clap again. And we start, you know, and she, every time there was a song that she knew, she lit up and she laughed and slapped her doctor the whole time. He probably needed a doctor after the show. (laughs) He got so much slapping. And then at the end, we typically finish. We've taken our curtain call. There's an epilogue, the curtain closes and we're done. But we came back out, Mm -hmm. the band played. I made an introduction to bring Liza up. She got help coming up. She grabbed the mic again, told us we were all fabulous and just loved it. And the audience was so appreciative that she was there and what a gift she gave to all of us. It was really a unique and special night
1: the video of the moment can be seen on your Instagram feed, the Truby's Instagram feed. It's pretty spectacular. I mean, I mean, all all those, I've never seen so many straight men, including me watching it go, Oh my God, it's (laughs) Lies. She is truly the gateway drug.
0: Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. (laughs) What an effect, you know, uh, not only for the LGBTQ community and all that, the work that she's done and, inclusion and acceptance over the years and years yeah. but just just her art and getting in touch with her work again researching the show seeing her live special that's on youtube liza with a z and finding these gems like um the the song gotcha and having it fit seamlessly into the storytelling of the show and bob Fosse's choreography uh, you know just handing down these these um You know, these gifts from generations before carrying on much like we do with Shakespeare, bringing that work forward to new generations and new audiences, but celebrating that work.
1: Is that the first time that you've done a show with music associated with an artist rather than by a particular artist?
0: Yes. And uh, last time we were at the Getty, we did a a version of uh, a Plautus play called Haunted House. We called it Haunted House Party, and it was just sort of disparate. Uh, songs that were just sort of party songs and didn't sure. really have more like a jukebox musical
1: like Alice this, in One Hit Wonderland.
0: Alice in One Hit Wonderland exactly yeah. but this one was sort of derivative of Liza um, you know she wasn't really known for being in the musical Chicago which we lifted a couple songs from mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Subblock tango and all that yeah. jazz but she famously went on for Gwen Verdon for I think a month when Gwen Burden uh, had vocal problems and Liza stepped into the role and they, you know, sold out the time she was there. And she, so there was some loose associations for sure. Some of the music from Cabaret wasn't directly attributable to her, but the sort of celebration of those works, especially uh, how important they were for me as well, growing up right. watching Cabaret and seeing that kind of performance. And then the subject matter juxtaposed and, the war going on in that movie cabaret the war going on in aristophanes time peloponnesian war the war that we're having sort of in this country now um the fact that there's a reference in the aristophanes work to the storming of the citadel the storming of the capital wow which happened yeah while we were you know working on the script of the show january 6th happened and well that's already in there but let's you know so the whole thing kind of became about red and blue and um that was the war that, that we chose, but the music really, you know, went with that. Yeah. Um, and we well, had, and that's just had not, a great cast.
1: It's it's, it looked like a fantastic cast and that's not a, a huge stretch because Liza so is associated with Candor and Ebb, um, who wrote Chicago, um, and hey. Cabaret, my Liza candor and Ebb story, and I might cut this, but it's a good story is, um, <laughs> is, is, uh, I, in the eighties, I moved to New York and through a series of, uh, circumstances I had a couple of lunches and a couple of meetings with John Cander, and mm. uh, was able to go back to his fabulous apartment and go up to the third floor I think where, where his piano is and where he writes oh. and on the wall is the proclamation proclaiming New York New York the official anthem of of New York City and wow. I went and I said when you sat down to write that song for that movie did did you go, you know what? We should write the official anthem of the city of New York. Wouldn't that be a good idea? And he said, no, funny story. That's not the first version of that song that we wrote. We wrote another song and we played it for Lies, And she said, oh, boys, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. And we played it for, then we played it for Marty and Bobby, Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Oh, and wow. And 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 Mar- Scorsese goes, oh, that's terrific, guys. That's terrific. And De Niro was silent, <laughs> and uh, he gestures Marty to come over. They have a little a little uh, confab. Marty comes back. He says, "Bobby's not sure. He 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 thinks you could do something better. If it's it's the title of the movie, he thinks you can maybe write a better song." And so as john kander tells the story he and fred ebb came back to that room we were standing in and kander sat down at the piano and went who does that guy think he is And just started pounding on the piano who does that guy think he really is
0: (laughs) yes so we have robert de niro to thank for that
1: we do indeed we do indeed
0: intimidating people even at that level even
1: that's right creating art the old-fashioned way beating the shit out of people
0: muscle you (laughs) can do better you
1: can do better what am i a clown a joke to
0: you don't edit that that's a great story people will want to hear that
1: You're listening to Tim Minchin randomly standing here with Austin and Et Al in uh, Washington DC, and you are listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Wah! Can you RSC, the RSC? We're still the remote Shakespeare company, but you can find our next round of performance dates at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. Now back to my conversation with Matt Walker, the founder and artistic director of the Troubadour Theatre Company, who was telling me where the idea for his latest show, Liza Estrada* came from in the first place. It really came from the Getty
0: going, hey, we mostly do tragedies here. You know, every other year we're killing Iphigenia in some version of, you know, (laughs) Agamemnon. Uh, So how about a comedy? And here's the three, and, and I can't even remember what the other two were. They were all Aristophanes, but Liza Strata stuck out. I mean, it's the celebrity, right? It's right. the most done, the most derived, most famous, arguably uh, the funniest, arguably the funniest, and the most provocative subject matter. And I, you know, you know, our work—we're family-friendly theater. And here, Aristophanes is using coarse language. He's directing the use of phallus, naked women Mm -hmm. on stage. We worked with the scholars, Amy Richlin and Dr. Shelby Brown um, from the Getty and UCLA, who, yeah, telling us, yeah, Aristophanes likely the show is performed by men, for Mm. men mostly, Mm. and the, the figure, the female figure of reconciliation at the end that represents the country that they use as the map was probably played by a slave or a prostitute that was a real woman that they would objectify and put their hands. We want this piece. We want this abutment here. We want this peninsula. Mm -hmm. And it was just a big sort of fraternity locker room fest that had some underpinnings of social consciousness and being woke even in that time. Sure. So how do we treat this? Yeah. How do we, in this cancel culture, deal with the show 20 years ago when this was performed 30 years ago it was a feminist treatise most likely right? right and but we're way beyond that now yeah we're even we're beyond me too we're you know we're we're moving past that so how we a family friendly theater company deal with phallus naked women prostitute slaves men playing men or men so the gender swapping was to me a way to at least sort of uh, not mitigate or marginalize it, but just kind of say, well, let's all just take the piss out of each other
1: and theatricalize it.
0: It makes it theatrical, not real. Let's put the big, big doinkers. And I want to do a little show and tell here. I want to introduce you to Willie. One of the, one of our doinkers from the show (laughs) Here's Willie. Hold on. Let me get the boys in there too. (laughs) Sure. So this was our first introduction to the first real phallus in the show was a puppet and beth kennedy wore this bless her right so there's a way right a way to sort of say we're dealing with this in a clowny fun broad way we're not trying to be too visceral or vulgar or raunchy we want to be ribald so treat the subject matter right as it should be treated and the scholars are very sort of specific about how this was they think it was done and then we slowly ease them in to things like the athenian phallus (laughs) wow again worn by a woman this one's even got a little shaving cream there kind of stuck at the end of it because this was a practical product. sure (laughs) anything still left in there now but no it's all dried up there hey there's a little bit all right (laughs) you got a little there right so that was our approach was to just make it Super fun and frivolous and whimsical. And that's how we kind of dealt with that. And there were still sensibilities that were offended, and mail was received um, about that, even though there was a parental warning, and my director's notes were were pretty telling about what to expect and how we would treat it. But you know, it, we said, uh, this is a play that's got bedroom humor. And um, the Trubies will put a fun house mirror up to nature, <laughs> Shakespeare said, hold the mirror up to nature, but it'll be on the ceiling over the bed. That's where the mirror will be. <laughs> so, you know, that was our approach. But, you know, the validation of Liza at the end of it I, and her just seeing it for what it was and not for what
1: it wasn't or what it should have right. been. Um, well, it seems on the level of you know third grade humor, which I mean is a compliment. You know, it's the way kids yes. talk about body parts. You know, yes, and still talking about something serious. And it's good to know that those props are practical because it meant that your show really did have a happy ending. Hey, hey, hello. Hey,
0: <laughs> oh, so good. You know, again, it was a way to just try to make it funny and fun and not so you know offensive
1: well and we way. can take we take we can take Shakespeare too seriously we can take the classics too seriously we can take sex too seriously and this sounds like such a great opportunity to not do all of those things
0: yeah it, super fun and just a great experience again to be in process with the group of people after missing it for so long
1: yeah you know you don't
0: really realize how much yeah you like performing in the audience and that's you know, the goal and the honeypot, but the moment to moment rehearsal time and the finding of things and developing of things. That's what
1: we love. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. You can see the pictures of the two props Matt held up and described in the listing for this episode on our website. And the good news is, for those of you who missed the live performances of Liza Strada, which I assume is most of us, the Getty Villa will be streaming the show during the month of November 2021, starting November 1st. Go to getty.edu for more information. Then send us your prop fallacies via email to feedback at reduced. Shakespeare.com. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSC Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can find the Troubadour Theatre Company on Facebook, follow them on Twitter and Instagram at The Trubies, or visit their website, Truby.com. I'm on Twitter, too, at Austin Titchener, and on Instagram at the.shakesperience, which is also the name of my website. The Shakespeareans is where you can find information on how I can work with you on your monologues, presentations, or writing projects. Check out theshakesperience.com and my Patreon page, patreon.com slash austintitchener. Thanks, as always, to Pansexual Master of Ceremonies, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Scott at S-R-P-C-O-H-I on Twitter. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Tim Minchin, the composer of the Broadway show's Matilda and Groundhog Day. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 775, 2325 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I lived in L.A. for 15 years, and I've now lived outside of LA back here in Chicago for 10 years and really I can count on several fingers the things I miss about LA and one of them is you and the Troubadour Theatre because you guys are amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much <laughs> for all your support over the
1: years and all the great work, guys. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, after bios, email newsletters, and so much less. So much less. So much less.